Good morning, C3. Thanks for joining us. Church will start in three, two, one. Good morning. Welcome to Christ Community Church. Today, Rainy is with us. Thank you so much for being here. Excited. We're excited to have you because usually we have ugly old Justin up here. <laughs> so, thank you. Yeah, this is going to be a great day. Larry's going to preach on love. We're going to play some awesome worship songs, and we encourage you guys to worship right along with us. You guys ready? Now I looked over Jordan and what did I see? Coming for to carry me home. There's a band of angels coming after me. Coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot. Coming for to carry me home. Well, sometimes I'm up and sometimes I'm down Coming for to carry me home But I know my soul is heavenly bound Coming for to carry me home Swing low, sweet chariot Coming for to carry me home Swing low, sweet chariot Coming for to carry me home now if you get there before I do, coming for to carry me home. Tell all my friends I'm a coming to, coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Yeah, you're coming for to carry me home. Yeah, you're coming for to carry me morning C3 family. I hope that you are enjoying spring as much as I am. I am enjoying all of the beautiful colors, all of the greenery, all the beautiful flowers that are popping up and the weather, even though for a lot of people it's sinus weather uh, and they are really struggling with their sinuses with everything growing and populating. But I am really enjoying this season. I love to see how God has just painted the earth and I have not yet decided whether Fall or spring is the better season or which one I like the most, but I think I love them both equally as well because this time of year just reminds me of how wonderful God is and how much he must really love me to show me his handiwork and all the colors that are out now. Please join me now in our call to worship that's found in Matthew 22nd chapter, 35th through the 40th verses. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart 
and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments hang the whole law and the prophets. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, remind us today of your love for us and empower us, O oh God, to love each other and draw us into a community of love and respect for you and for each other. Open our hearts and minds to receive the word today and help us, O oh God, to apply their word in our lives daily. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. darkness tries to roll over my bones when sorrow comes to steal the joy I own when brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken no I won't be shaken cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. The shame no longer has a place to hide. And I am not a captive to the lies No, I'm not afraid to leave my past behind And I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. There's power that can every chain. There's power that can empty out a grave. There's resurrection power that can save. There's power in your name. Power in your name. There's power that can break off every chain. There's power that can empty out a grave. There's resurrection power that can save. There's power in your name. There's power in your name. It's my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Oh. And my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. 
Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Christ Community Church and our online service. Yeah, 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 that's, what, that's uh, what we're doing. We're so happy that you could join us, and I'm happy that you can be here with me. It's nice to be here. Makes Thank you very much. And, yeah. um, you want me to start us? Yes, please. Would you do that? So you know that I have been reading a Lenten passage, um, but today I'm going to read a passage from C.S. Lewis that has a whole lot to do with Larry's uh, talk today, which is going to be on love. Yes. Okay? So this passage isn't on love, but it is about choice. Mm -hmm. C.S. Lewis says, Every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses, into something a little different than it was before. Mm. And taking your life as a whole with all your innumerable choices— all your life long, you are slowly turning, this is really important, you are slowly turning this central thing into either a heavenly creature or into a hellish creature, mm. either into a creature that is in harmony with God and with other creatures and with itself, or else into one that is in a state of war and hatred with God and with its fellow creatures and with itself. I find that very important statement. Yeah. Every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you the part of you that chooses, into something a little different than it was before. Mm. So it adds weight. I appreciate the weight that he adds to every choice. He goes on to say in, a long, in the longer version of this that, you know, the choice mm. to stay on a good path and the choice to stray from a path. But um, he offers the idea, the very important idea of choice. Makes me think of Pinocchio just a little bit. Oh, yeah? Well, and that... You know, every time he made a choice, I think to lie. Yes, was I think it that's lie? right. Yeah, that's right. Um, I hadn't seen it since Ronnie was a child. Uh, but er, then his nose, his, his, new, his nose grew a little bit. And, um, <laughs> you know, those choices build up incrementally, slowly, gradually. Um, but they do, yes, they do grow and build up. Well, so. where he finally goes with this is in order to, if you, if you split the path and go the wrong path for you, you can't just fix it at that point. You have to go back to the beginning yes. and find the right path and, yes. uh, for you. And that is about choice. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Bless you. The last <clears throat> few weeks in preparation for Easter, uh, we've been looking at some uh, not just different aspects of God's character, who He is, uh, but some of the more precious qualities of God, and part of the reason I've wanted us to do that is because it's not just that God possesses these very special, wonderful qualities because of Easter, because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we can enjoy those qualities as well. Because of what Jesus did by dying on the cross, God can share, literally, He can share his attributes with us. It's not mm. putting a, a gold ring in a pig's snout. Yeah. It's not putting a dress on a cow. It's literally infusing us with not every one of God's qualities. Some of them are immutable, but many of his qualities. And th two weeks ago, I guess, we looked at peace. We did. And we can, Paul says, we can now have peace with God. And not just peace with God, but we can experience the peace of, of God. God. Yes. Uh, we looked last week at joy. Joy. 
and that we can experience the joy of the Lord. Yeah. Uh, God is joyful, uh, he, and He has been joyful eternally in the past and will always be joyful, and He finds that joy, that delight in His relationship with the other members of the Trinity. But now, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can experience that joy both in our relationship with God and in our relationship with one another. And we, we talked about all that last week. Yep. Um, today, I want to talk about love and how we can experience the love of God. Not just receive the love of God, but experience the love of God and then huh, be a conduit, a venue through which that love can flow to others. And so that's what I want to talk about today. Um, if you would, I'm going to get you, you don't even know this, but would you read that passage from Mark 12? Yes, I will. I think it's verses 28 through 32, 33, right around in there. Sure. So would you read that? <clears throat> Mark 12 says, yeah. a teacher of the law noticed that Jesus had given a good answer and asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. The second is this, Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but Him. To love Him with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. Yeah, um, you can keep that because I'm going to get you to read that okay. next passage in a little okay. while. Um, you know that that account, that incident, is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three of the Synoptic Gospels. So it's it has a lot of weight. It was very important to the New Testament church and to the New Testament writers that that incident. Uh, was recorded, recorded. And, and taught and learned yes. and embraced. It's a big deal. And I think the reason it was a big deal was uh, to the early church and the early writers is because Jesus was saying there that loving God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving others as yourself, that's really... Um, Jesus was, was sharing with people the meaning of life. Uh, what makes life work? What, what, make, what makes life matter and have significance? Uh, uh, and also he was sharing, because Matthew even says it, he says, upon that teaching uh, rest the entire law and prophets. So what Jesus was saying is not only does loving God and loving others convey the meaning of life, it also conveys really a summary of the entire Bible. The, the entire Bible. What's the Bible say? It says from beginning to end, from Genesis 1 yeah. to Revelation 22, it teaches us how and why we should love God and love one another. And that we can do it. We can do it. Um, because of the cross, because right. of what Jesus did on the cross. Right. Um, my question that I've been thinking about really for several weeks as I've been thinking about this and working on this is, wonder what Jesus meant when he said that we are to love God and love one another. I wonder what 
was what he meant by that, what he was thinking about when he said that. Because um, the truth is, um, trying to understand this idea of love is a hard thing. It's hard to get your arms around. Uh, it's it's hard for n- numbers, numerous reasons. Uh, th- the most fundamental reason that it's hard to, to really understand is because we use that word uh, to convey our deep affection for pizza, uh, our favorite football team, yeah. our favorite song, our favorite movie, and we use the exact same word to convey our deep affection for our spouse, our children, and our God. Yeah. And so, you know, what, what do you what do you mean? What 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 are you what's what are you talking about when you say that? Um, and so it's hard. It's 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 hard to to really for us to understand what we mean uh, when we're talking about love. I find it very significant, Shirley, that in Exodus thirty four, when uh, in Exodus thirty four, it was the very first time that God, other people, had uh, uh, Noah, uh, Abraham, Moses, Joseph. That there were a lot of people that had told other people about God, what God was like. But in Exodus 34, we find the the very first account of God telling people who He is. He literally, the very first time, for the very first time, He introduces Himself to the people of God. So that's a big deal. It's sort of like, you know, I've never looked at these, you know, these uh, dating websites where you fill out, what I've been told is you fill out a little thing and then other people read it and they decide whether they like you or not. I bet that is a very interesting study uh, to read what people, of all the things about you, what are you going to put in your introduction? You know, you think about that. Um, Well, I find it very interesting that, uh, I I find it interesting what God put in his introduction. Of all the things that he could have told people about himself, this is what he chose to tell. In Exodus 34, it says, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. And he maintain or and he maintains, or I man, maintain, sorry, a love for thousands, or you could say multitudes, and I forgive the wicked, the rebellious, and the sinful. When God introduces himself for the very first time to his people, one of the things that he wants to make sure that they understand about him is that he is a God who is abounding in love. Um, John, Jesus is arguably uh, the disciple, or you could even say the person that he was the most intimate with, the most, had the, the, the closest connection with the Apostle John. Um, Jesus taught the Apostle John this, said in John, in 1 John 4, it says, God is love. Um, you know, for John to make that statement, he does, it, it, what John is saying there is he's not just saying, he's not just talking about what God does. God does loving things. He's saying that God is his essence, his substance is that of love. We do loving things at times. Some people do more and some people do less. 
But there's a huge difference in saying that God does loving things and that God is love. Right. Um, it's who he is. And really, the, the, the conclusion that John wants us to draw from that statement is that because, and God is the only one that is love. There is no, no one else can, who can say, I am love, right. Right? right? Only God can say that. Therefore, God is the only one that can define love. He gets to define it. He gets to say, that's love and that's not love. Because God is at his essence and core, he is love. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, um, God says this. He says, today I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. For I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. How? How do we do that? Love the Lord your God and listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. Now we could take two months and talk about that verse and all that it says, mm. but would you agree with me that if it doesn't say anything else, it says that learning to love God by God's definition of love is a matter of life and death for yes. us. But if it says anything, it says that learning to love God by His definition of love, it's a matter of life and death for us. Um, Paul says it, it says exactly the same thing in, in, in a Pauline way, in 1 Corinthians 13, the first three verses, read that for me, please. He says, if I speak, you've heard this, <laughs> if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. <laughs> if I give all I possess to the poor... And give my body over to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love. I gain nothing. Thank you. We see those words on plaques and, you know, little pictures on the wall and bumper stickers and things like that and bookmarkers uh, and on Christmas cards and Valentine's cards and those kind of things. But if you really think about what Paul is saying there, um, they're, very, they're, they're very sobering words because what, what Paul basically says there is, if I don't learn to love by God's definition of love, everything I do is nothing. Everything I have or accumulate is nothing. And everything I am is nothing. Do you think about that, the, 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 the responsibility, uh, that that, it, the, the weight that we should feel, oh my gosh, you mean to tell me I could wind up like that rich farmer in the Bible who built this huge, successful business yeah. with, that was filled with abundance, so much so that he, he, he doesn't know what to do with all of his wealth, and he dies. And when he dies, the implication is he has nothing. He has nothing. 
He's done nothing and he is nothing. Or the rich man that, you know, owned that big house where and Lazarus was out there in the front. Right. And he again, abundance, wealth, success, power. He dies. And the next thing he looks up, he's in hell. He he's done nothing. He has nothing. And he is nothing. Um what Paul's saying is that we don't learn to love as God tells us to, as God defines love. That's what, how our lives will end. It's a, it's a sobering, serious thing. And the last verse that I, wanted to, that I wanted to start off with is in John 16. I think it's some of the most sobering words that Jesus speaks. He says, My Father loves you because you have loved me. My Father has loved you because you have loved me. I think that begs the question, how does Jesus, how do you love Jesus? And am the way, am I loving Jesus in a way that he would define as love? That, that's the deal. It's not just, oh Jesus, I love you. Many a, a, a man has told a woman, I love you. But the woman's looking him in the face going, no, you don't. No, oh, oh, I do love you. And the woman said, no, no, you don't. You don't love me. Just because I think I love Jesus and just because I say I love Jesus, would Jesus agree with that? Would my definition of love fit within his definition of love? I guess that's what I, does that make sense? It does make sense, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. In my study of this topic this week, you know, I, I came across some very interesting things, Shirley. Uh, in, in the Greek language, there are numerous words for love. And you mean stoe love and phile love and, and all kinds of different, many, many different words that the Greek people used for love. Um, but every word in the, in the time of Jesus that the Greek language used for love, everyone, without exception, every word that they used for love, it they were all derivatives of one Greek word for love, eros love. Uh, and eros love, we've sort of made it sexual love. Uh-huh. But it, it originally, that's not true. It, it, it was a much broader term, and it referred to a love that I had for something but it, it came because of the effect that something had on me. Does that make sense, the way I wrote it down? It was a love created by the value of something else. I love something because I see value in it. I see beauty in it. I see uh, depth in it. I see complexity in it. I see potential for it to please me or benefit me, but my love for that item or that person or that activity is really, it flows from the outside in. I, I have love for that because that has impacted me. Right. Does, that, does, that, uh-huh. does that make sense? Yes. It's very significant that when the New Testament writers first spoke about love, and wrote about love, they would not use any of those 
many Greek words for love. And instead, they chose not an obscure word, but a, another word, a, a very unused word for love, agape. Uh, and then uh, but the, the people of the Greek and the Roman world knew the word, but they didn't use the word. Nobody used the word agape until after the New Testament church began to flourish. And they chose that word, and then def- because it was not related to eros in any way, and they chose it, um, and then they defined it by the life and the actions of Jesus. Mm. I find that very, very uh, significant. They rejected all the other words that people used for love that were related to eros, and they chose this, this very unused word, agape, and their point was that they were trying to communicate both to the world and to each other is, God's love is not just a higher, better, greater form of love that we have for things. Right. God's love is completely it's different. different. Uh, it's so different that it's a love that would make someone sacrifice their son for the welfare of a stranger or an enemy. Eros love would not... It would not relate to that in any way. There's nothing inside a stranger or a, an enemy that would provoke me or woo me to respond in love, right? Agape love is a love that is created within me. It's not a love that's drawn out of me. It's a love that pours out of me. You see the difference yes. there? Any, any thoughts? No, no, I'm just... I'm just differentiating between those two because they're completely different. Completely different. First uh, John 4 says this, real love isn't us loving God, but God loving us and sending His Son as a sacrifice for us. Um, yeah, just the, to see the difference that I, I love you and I, I want to love you with agape love, but the truth is I love you for re- you created love inside me. Your beauty, your your intelligence, your talents, um, your humor, your you you do things that please me, and that that has created love in my heart for you. And I don't apologize for that. That's that's, but that's not agape love. That's a love that that might be smart love on my part, but it's not agape love, because that love in my heart for you really is caused by you. The love that the New Testament writers wanted us to understand that God has for us has nothing to do with us. Not our worth, not our beauty, not our goodness, not even our potential to benefit God or to bless God. Uh, it, It has nothing to do with us. It's a love that pours out of God solely because He chose, as C.S. Lewis talked about, God chose to love us. It was not pull. It's not a responsive love. Yeah. It's an initiating it's a love. Proactive love. It's a proactive love. Yes. In First John chapter four verse twenty, the Bible says this: If we claim to love God, but don't love others, John says Jesus is closest friend. But if we if we claim to love God but don't love others, we are liars. For if we can't love people that we can see, how can we love a God whom we cannot 
see. Um, that's what Jesus taught John. Jesus taught Peter the exact same thing with different words. In John 21, uh, uh, Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, oh yeah, Lord, I love you. <laughs> and Jesus said, is that right? Then feed my sheep. And he said it three times. Yeah. Peter, do you love me? If you do, let me tell you how I define that love. If you, if you mean that, then let me tell you how I define that love. Feed my sheep. Your love for me should look like ministry to other people. The way you love me is you pour your life into the betterment and welfare of other people. Take care of others. That's how I define love. And that's exactly what John is saying in that first John passage in chapter 4. If I claim to love an invisible God, what does that look like? How does that work? Well, John would say, I can tell you how it works. Love the people that you can see and touch. Uh, that's the way we love an invisible God is that we show goodness to people that are very visible, yeah. right? Um, agape love, according to the New Testament, according to the words of Jesus and all the writers of the Gospels and the epistles, agape love isn't about feelings. Agape love is revealed in tangible and practical acts. You see that in the story of the prodigal son. Um, uh, you know, what, what's love, Jesus? Well, it's loving God and loving your neighbor. Well, who's my neighbor? I know who your neighbor is. It's the, the man that you stop and help when he's been beaten to a pulp. That, that's, well, how did, we, you know, notice the parable doesn't talk about how those men that walked by felt about them. And they might have had good feelings. Oh, I love that guy. I have good feelings about that guy. But you didn't stop. So in Jesus' economy, you don't love him. The Bible doesn't mention how that Samaritan felt about that Jew. Well, do you have good feelings about this man? Doesn't mention that. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But he stopped. He stopped and helped the man. So in Jesus' economy, the man did, the Samaritan did love that Jewish man. Um, agape love seeks to bless even at great sacrifice with no expectation of return. Um, that's revealed most often in the New Testament when the Bible's talking about the importance of loving the poor and your enemies. Two groups, the poor can't do anything in return, and your enemies don't want to. They're not going to. Those no. that showing goodness, showing acts of kindness to those who can't do anything in return and showing love and kindness and goodness to people who don't want to do anything in return. That's, and may still return back. And evil. may even yeah. return evil back yeah. to our effort to show goodness. Um, that's how the Bible defines and explains agape love. In 1 John 3, John says, if you have means or wealth and you won't help a person in need, you do not have God's love in you. Jesus says in Luke 6, love your enemies and do good to them. Lend to them and expect nothing in return. Then your reward will be great and you will be God's children because God is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. Romans 5 says that God showed us His love in this way. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us.
I just, I want us to end tonight, or this morning, I should say. I want us to end tonight. Lord, I want us to end this morning just being challenged to reflect on the people that Jesus most clearly and most often showed love to. He loved everyone. Everyone he met, he loved. But who did he consistently, who did the writers of the New Testament most consistently reveal to us or give us as illustrations how Jesus and who Jesus showed love to? It was consistently um, people that were damaged, people that were forgotten, people that were hurt, people that were needy, people that were enemies. And, uh, you know, the older I get, uh, the more I realize how little I understand about relationships. But I know one thing about relationships. I cannot love you effectively if I'm not willing to love the people that you love. For me to tell you, oh, Shirley, I love you. But I have ill will and resentment and hatred and meanness towards your mom or your brother are your nieces or nephews. You know what you tell me? That dog that's won't not, hunt. That's not love. That's not love. I, I cannot love a person without loving the people they love. I might not like them or enjoy them, but I got to love them. God's exactly the same way. I think that we sing love songs to God. We pray love prayers to God. We tell God we love Him. We tell people we love God. But at the end of the day, I think that one of the most clear, powerful truths in the Scriptures is if we're going to love God well, we're going to have to love the people that He loves, the people that He is especially fond of. And I don't know how you and I could read the New Testament and not see that God is especially fond of the poor, the needy, the broken, uh, the, the marginalized, Um, that's who God is especially fond of. And so when I tell God or when I even think to myself, yeah, I love God, I wonder if God agrees. I wonder if God says, yes, Larry, I I know you love me. Or does he look at me and go, I appreciate those words, but they just ring ring hollow like that gong that Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians yeah. 13. Yeah. It's just a, just a, a clang. clanging gong. Uh, or are they words that fall upon his ears with great joy and delight? Um, yeah, I, I think we better end. Um, uh, I think God wants us to work on that, to really work on learning to love God by intentionally learning how to love those that God loves. And uh, I hope we'll approach Easter um, really thinking about that and working on that. Seems to me that these, this idea of showing love or, or forgiveness, which is another topic, mm-hmm. but um, gr- would surely grow exponentially. I show love, I do something loving, and then I... To this point, I become more loving, you know? And so then I do it again, I practice love again, and then again, to his point, it changes something fundamentally in me. And that is the thing. Mm -hmm. C.S. Lewis says, 
that makes the choices. The choice-making part of me changes. And so then I do it again, and slowly but surely, whether the love is returned or not in the way that I want, I become more loving. Yes. Hmm. It's it's something we can do. C.S. Lewis also said this. He said, uh, oh, don't worry. Somebody asked him, uh, when you challenge me to love someone, what if I don't love them? And he said, oh, don't worry about that. If you start acting loving toward them, you will start yes. loving them. Yes. Yeah, the, the actions of showing agape love create love in us for that person. That but the right. actions precede the feelings. And that's a powerful thought that I can literally learn to love somebody that I do not love by choosing to show them actions of love, actions of goodness and kindness and forgiveness and mercy. Thank you so very much for joining us today. We are very happy that you could be with us this morning, and we pray that the Lord has spoken to you, and um, we hope that you will be better prepared uh, for the celebration of our Lord's death and resurrection. We're going to take the Lord's Supper real quick. Just to, just to declare that we believe that Jesus Christ gave His body and blood so that we could experience His peace, His joy, and His love. Amen. Join us if you can. Again, thank you so much for being with us. And we pray the Lord's richest blessings upon you and yours this week. Amen. Goodbye. Your love, oh Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness stretches to the skies. Your righteousness is like mighty mountains. Yes, your justice flows like the ocean side. I will lift my voice to worship you, my King. And I will find my strength in the shadow of your wings. Your love, oh Lord. Your faithfulness stretches to the skies. Your righteousness is like a mighty mountain. Yeah, your 
justice flows like the ocean's tide. And I will lift my voice to worship you, my King. And I will find my strength in the shadow of your to the sky. Hey, thanks again for joining us. We are Christ Community Church. Rainy, thanks for joining us at Christ Community Church. Love to be with you. Yes. That song, we were just talking about how old that song is, and then you started singing the other song. Do you want to sing the other one for us real I quick? Do. I do. I do you, want to. What was it? I forget. Um, Lord, I lift your name, name on, on high. <laughs> Lord, I love to sing your praise. Brought us straight back to vacation Bible school. Yes. Yeah, so anyhow. To show the way. We've run everybody off. <laughs> Nobody's coming back to church next week. Boys, you coming? All right. We all come back next week, 1015. Facebook Live and YouTube Live, also at the Tenant Gardens. Um, join us. Come back next Sunday. Y'all have a great week.